Because I forgot to turn on the recorder. This is, uh, this is Ed McCallum, and this is the small church uh, networking lunch at the 39th General Assembly. So that was, that was for the record there, sorry. But um, <clears throat> uh, everything being written about the small church, at least that I came across, was you know, how, do you, how do you make the small church bigger? Because it's the, being small was a problem. But that's not the way the that's not the direction the literature about small church is taking these days. It's really about how do we. It, it's recognizing that the small church, just because it's small, is not a problem. Does a small church have problems? Of course. Do large churches have problems? Of course. Neither one of them is a problem because one is large and one is small. That's not the issue. Uh, small church, the, the literature now is going at what are the strengths of the small church and how do we recognize them and build on those strengths. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that, that's, that's where I'm coming from. And uh, one of the reasons I've, I haven't dropped this thing of the small, with uh, advocating for the small church in, uh, when I'm, now that I'm with World Outreach, the simple, very simple fact, in fact, it's one of the quotations that you'll see on the, on the handouts. It is the small church that is driving global church growth. When you look at the church around the world, and uh, you know, the Lord has given uh, Nan and I some uh, amazing front row seats to see what's going on. It's the small church that's driving the growth. Now, there are large churches that are driving growth as well. Praise God. Uh, one of the most surprising things that I saw and uh, because this is being recorded, I'm not going to name the place. I can, if you ask me afterwards and the recording is off, I'll tell you. It's in a uh, very difficult country for Christians to be in. But in a large city in the country, there was a Presbyterian church meeting with 12,000 people on a weekend on, in a Muslim country. So, you know, that large church is certainly growing, but small churches as a whole around the world are driving the growth of the church. So anyway, that's why I'm an, I remain an advocate and I want to encourage the health and the strength of the small churches in the EPC. Does this do some help? Is that better? Okay, all right, very good. Now, uh, let's see uh, how you matched up here. Now, if you were uh, observant, you could have cheated with your smartphone here and uh, uh, gotten some of the answers from the, from the website that's at the bottom of the page. But, but let's see how you matched up here. Uh, what is the biggest blessing of the small church? So let's take one, one, thing, one thing that emerged from each of the groups here. A blessing for the small, the small church. Let's go, let's go start here and we'll, we'll move around. Just quickly, anyone? Relationships. Community. Relationships, community. It's okay if you repeat it. That, if, if something different, fine. If you repeat one, that's fine. Fellowship. Fellowship. Same. Same, okay. Over here. Ditto. 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 Okay. Over here. Ditto. Anything different? Intimacy. Intimacy. Uh, how did we match up here? Yep. What's the biggest... Uh, Biggest blessing of the small church, fellowship. Now, another way to say that is the, the main organizing principle for small church life is relationships. You, uh, you, if we don't understand that, we don't understand the small church. If we don't understand that as leaders and lead with that in mind, uh, we are going to miss it. 
Okay, what's, whoops, uh-oh, I just gave you the answer. Uh-oh, but go back, go back, uh-oh. Biggest opportunity. See, you could have cheated anyway on your smartphone, but there you go. Let's start over here. What uh, biggest opportunity? What, what, over here, what did you say? Discipleship. Discipleship, yes. What did you really say? What did you really say? Did you say discipleship? Oh, all right, very good. You, you cheated on your smartphone, right? No. <laughs> You guys, what, what was the biggest uh, biggest opportunity of the small church? Because we're small, we can turn quickly, like the illustration ah, this morning. Great illustration. If you were, yeah, if you were there listening to Davi Gomez, uh, small the uh, large churches are aircraft carriers. Small churches are the the frigates. You know, the the, um, the, the, the we can turn quickly. Yep. There's a, one uh, one author calls that there's uh, there's an agility, or at least there can be in a small church. Over here, opportunity. Relationships. Being known. Pardon me. Being known. Being known. Being known. Cheers. Right. Yeah. Every, everyone knows your name, or at least has the opportunity to do that. What about back here? Opportunity. To be valued. Individuals to be valued. Individuals being valued. Yep. Uh, Aunt Sally can sing her solo in a small church, but she could never do that in at Cherry Creek. Okay. Back here. Opportunity, the back back group here. Anyone? Opportunity. Okay, a place to enjoy relationships. Over here. Flexibility. All those are good. Carl Vader's uh, his 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 category is discipleship. You, uh, in fact, one of the things he writes about is uh, I, I found this to be very true. Uh, you you get <laughs> uh, you get per you can get personal coaching from the professional. You, you can, uh, there's a lot of one-on-one -on -one discipleship opportunities that we as leaders have. We can raise up leaders to train other leaders. It's a wonderful opportunity for discipleship and training. Lots of opportunities to serve in a wide range of capacities. And there's the biggest need, right? Did, did, you, did you come up with some other things? Anything else you want to add? You... We said rest. Rest, biggest need, rest, rest. One of the things I would do as an assistant city clerk when I would visit a presbytery would be contact a small church and say, hey, pastor, would you like um, a Sunday or a week just to work without having sermon prep? I'd be happy to fill the pulpit for you. I mean, I, mean, I don't have, uh, yeah, as a small church pastor, you know, I had four weeks vacation. I had two weeks study leave. Uh, how many weeks does that leave to preach? You know, that, I mean, I didn't have an associate pastor to to turn to, you know, every four, five, six weeks, and so on. And just there, there are demands. Yep, rest. Mm -hmm. Back here. Anything? Any, anything you want to add to the um, uh, to the biggest need? Growth. Growth. Mm -hmm. yeah. Another yep. pastor and I decided to be included in the larger body, like at presbytery level and general assembly level, small churches are often going to overlook, I think. Okay. Biggest need to be recognized by, by the larger body, because there are capable leaders. Uh, uh, for uh, one, one way, okay, here's just one example. I know that Mid-Atlantic Presbyterian, anyone from Mid-Atlantic here? Uh, you all have a, um, a, a gathering of small church leaders before, is it before every presbytery? 
I've heard that one of the things that uh, Mid-Atlantic has done is uh, there, there are a lot of small church leaders that have done some great research in their, uh, in their doctor ministry programs. And they have an opportunity, I know it's from time to time, for people to share what they've been doing and what they've been finding out. There, there, are, some, there are some excellent leadership in the small church. So anything you want to add over here? So recognition was another, that could be a need. Anything to add? Resources. Resources. Okay. Resources. Yeah. Human resources, financial resources, facilities, kinds of resources. Yep. Need definite needs. Self-esteem. Self-esteem, which is captured by that word encouragement. Just a comment. We might our church in Reno might be on the large side of a small church because we're pushing two hundred. Mm -hmm. But we find that one of our biggest opportunities meets one of our biggest needs. And you were talking about study time and not enough away time. By the grace of God, we have nearly 10 people that can fill the pulpit from our congregation. Amen. So there's blessed us with that. And, and mm -hmm. as we disciple, that can fill a need. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, just looking around the room here, are any of you in a bivocational pastor situation? Are any of you? I think the EPC is probably a, a lesser percentage of bivocational folks than, than many, uh, but I just was curious. I know there are some around. Any, any folks in here who are serving as commissioned pastors? Not in, not in the room. Okay. I want to pick up on the, this biggest need that uh, Carl Vader's uh, mentioned: in, you know, encouragement, self-esteem. Uh, that's, I think, one of the one of the roles I've tried to um, uh, tried to fill is just to to because I'm not currently in a in a situation where I'm a small church practitioner. I just I'm in a different role of ministry. But if I can serve as an encourager, I really want to do that. And here's the big reason I want to serve as an encourager. I have, um, and by the way, this is my best animation uh, on a PowerPoint that you're going to see today. So, okay, just, just wait, just wait. Special effects are just fantastic here. Uh, okay, uh, several, at several workshops, I have uh, I've done some word association with the word small. Okay, you just in your own mind here, just think what comes to mind when you think the word small. Insignificant. Okay, insignificant. So, okay, let me, here's this wonderful animation. You're going to see the top words that have surfaced in some workshops where I've done this word association. Small, what comes to mind? Here you go. Top five words that surfaced, or or some or things that are similar. Hey, that's what I want to be a part of. I want to be part of a piddling, undersized, limited church. Right? Yeah, isn't that what you want to do? You know, uh, yeah, my my church is piddling around. We're just so limited. We're just uh, stunted in our growth. We're undersized. We're feeble. Oh yeah, yeah. You need encouragement. <laughs> Unfortunately. There's value often attached to the uh, word small when it's attached to the word church. And there's a quote in, uh, in this, I have a series of sentences there, you'll see Tim Keller uh, talks about this, where we, we attach value to uh, our size preference. And let's say some people like the smaller church, some people like the larger church, and often 
we start kind of uh, you know throwing pot shots at each other because we attach a value to our own preference. Here, small churches can be strong and healthy. Large churches can be strong and healthy. Small churches can be weak and sick. Large churches can be weak and sick. Sick size and health uh, are not directly related. Okay, that's that's where I'm going. So encouragement. I would encourage you to work through this in your own mind and with your leadership body in your church to do a, uh, some 180s in our common thinking. Now, if you're familiar with the Go Center, uh, Ken Pretty talks about some 180s in church vitality. Here are some 180s, some complete turnarounds in small church thinking. That's what I think of when I see uh, that, uh, that picture of that little girl in, uh, in uh, some grown-up clothing. Often, small churches try to act like they're big churches, and it just doesn't fit. You know, you, things here at Cherry Creek, uh, you all can't go home and do. Uh, it's it, because, here's the change in thinking, the small church has a different organizational culture. It is a different organizational culture. You, uh, you lead a frigate much differently than you lead an aircraft carrier. So let's, let's begin to change our thinking. We're not a large church. That's fine. Here's what I, another, uh, on Tuesday there was a workshop for small church folks and there, there is a big emphasis and I agree, absolutely agree with it. Let's cancel out the word just. Uh, I'm, we're just a small church. No, we're a small church. And that's good. That's good. We have strengths that we can capitalize. Okay, another one. I've already alluded to this one. Uh, the general thinking has been over the years, especially in the church growth movement, that small churches are a problem to be fixed. I think we need to change our thinking the other way around and say, no, but, yeah, of course we have problems to be, we have problems to be fixed, but that's not our identity. We are not a problem because we're small. No, small churches have unique advantages. Those, I think, are some, some good 180s to do in, in our thinking. Okay, here's my encouragement. Take, just take a look at this uh, cartoon for a minute. Okay, here's a science, little scientific conference, I guess. You have optics and uh, photonics, whatever that is, on the right, and you have solar energy on the left, but what do you have in the middle? Nanotechnology. Nanotechnology. I came, uh, I was doing a, uh, I led a small church workshop, I believe it was in the Central South Presbytery some years back. And interestingly enough, I sat on the, on the plane going back to Michigan, I sat next to a person, uh, and as we were, you know, conversing, came out. He was he had gone to a conference on nanotechnology, and I said, "Oh, well." In fact, first of all, I was kind of proud that I, I knew what nanotechnology was, sort of. And I said, "Well, boy, I bet in your world, smaller is better, isn't it?" Uh, absolutely. So what I'm encouraging our small church leaders to do and start thinking about is, okay, can we become church nanotechnologists? How do we work well with the things that are smaller? 
How do we understand and uh, capture and embrace and work with the strengths of the small church? Okay, so some encouragements. Uh, here we go. Now this, this diagram is in your, uh, on your handout. This is from Barna. This is the big picture of American church attendance. Look at, look at that figure, 46%. 46% of churches in the U.S. meet with under 100 on a Sunday morning. How many of you here are in that category? Are you there? Yep, I, I figured so. How many of you, now he doesn't break it down to the 100 to 200 range. Any in the 100 to 200 range? Here, okay, yep, yep. That's, uh, you're kind of, we're, kind of, we're pretty representative of the, of the uh, EPC there. It's, there. There's discussion as to, okay, what, what is a small church? How do you define it? You'll, you'll read the literature and you'll, you'll see it defined in all kinds of, in different ways. Um, if, we, if we try to define it by a number, I, I, just, I always keep coming back to um, uh, the number 200. That seems to be a reasonable place. Now, there, it, it, the closer you get to that 200 line, the harder, the, it, it, the, if a fuzzier it gets. But uh, in fact, this is a book I'd encourage you to pick up. It's, uh, it's in the list of resources at the, uh, at the back, Small Church Essentials. Uh, great book. I found Carl Vader's uh, addressing a number of issues that I had been thinking about. And, and wow, I thought this is one of those books that, man, I've been thinking about that. I'd never thought of it in exactly this way. But yeah, I wish I, would, I, wish I could have said it the way he did. He addresses a number of great issues uh, there. And he, he would say, uh, he, he likes to use the word, the number 250 to, to mark off a small church. That, that's fine. I mean, I, somewhere in that range, you uh, were talking about a small church. And we're not talking membership, we're talking attendance. Attendance, because that's really a better gauge of what your church culture is, average attendance. Now here's the EPC. All right, take a look at that for a moment. This is based on the annual statistical report that you all got in your commissioner's handbook. It's six, I, I counted them up, 603 churches filled out or a, an annual church report. These are all the numbers. Look at this. Less than 100, 58% of our churches meet with less than 100 on a Sunday morning. If you expand that to how many meet with under 200 on a Sunday morning, look at that. 78% of our churches meet with under... Why is this an encouragement? You're, you, are, you are not alone. You are not alone. You are the majority church. Cherry Creek is the weird one. Okay. No, 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 no. Please, please hear me. Please hear me. Uh, I, I love large churches and what they do. They do large church things extremely well. My encouragement is... For the majority church, let's do small church things extremely well because there is room for both. Not everybody will fit and will, will be right as the right fit for a large church. A lot of people will fit better in a smaller congregation. So let's capitalize on that. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, you are, uh, this used to be... I'd say five, six years ago, I, well, definitely 10 years ago, this figure would have been about 65% of our churches met 
I think uh, as we've experienced the uh, transfer churches from the PCUSA, many of those transfers have been smaller congregations. So praise God, here, here we are, part of the majority church. So enjoy it. It's an encouragement. And I tried to uh, in both encourage you and uh, challenge you, stretch your thinking with uh, these sentences. I, my apologies here to um, uh, Peter Lombard. By the way, any church historians here you know who church Peter Lombard? Peter Lombard, what, what's that name about? He wrote four, four books of church, or, excuse me, four books of sentences. In, uh, it was in the 13th century, if I'm remembering correctly, but it was the standard theological text for many, many years in the, in the medieval age. So I just, well, okay, let's, let's pick out some sentences for the small church. I've, there are 13 of them there. I'm not going to go over all 13 here. We don't have time. I just picked out a few um, because I've got the microphone. And uh, here they are. Small, this is, num this is B, you have the whole statement there on your handout. Being small does not mean that something is broken. Just let that sink in. Now, something might be broken, but just because you're small does not necessarily mean that something is broken. And, okay, even if something is broken, look uh, in your handout, look what he says next. If something is broken, you can't fix it by just making it bigger. Why should we take something that's broken and make it bigger? <laughs> but that has been, that was the, the thinking that's permeated uh, the church growth the movement and world. It, it, it's small, it's broken. You fix it by making it bigger. No, no. Bigger is not the solution, okay? Uh, anyway, ah, okay. Um, do any do, do any of you get uh, do any of you utilize uh, the uh, internet filter called Covenant Eyes? Some of you do. Uh, in world outreach, our, our workers uh, are required to use an, you know, an internet filter and accountability partners you know, to maintain our integrity. Uh, my wife and I use Covenant Eyes, and I had to explain this one to my accountability partners. Because I, I looked up the video uh, by uh, Ed Stetzer uh, that uh, was titled Ministry Pornography, and Covenant Eyes said, whoops, uh, <laughs> what, are, what are you doing, Ed? And, uh, but I said, uh, hey, accountability, it's okay, here's the link, you can watch it yourself, and we're, we're, we're fine. Look what he said. In, in, in a way, it's like, uh, now, they, they were, the group of pastors Ed Stetzer was addressing, uh, they were in a much, much larger setting. I think they were at Saddleback uh, Church, okay? And Ed Stetzer looked at the audience. Most, a lot of them were in smaller church ministries. And he said to them, it's, it's number C in your handout here. He said, if you're in that setting, this is like ministry pornography for you. It's an unrealistic depiction of an experience you're never going to have that distracts you from the real and glorious thing. Remember that picture of the, the little girl in the, in the clothes that don't fit? No, find the clothes that fit. And wear them well. Do the small church ministry well. 
Don't worry about, let the large church people do the large church thing well. Do what God has given you. Uh, just like, you know, like uh, Moses and the, uh, you know, was, was, Lord, what, how am I going to do what you called me to do? You know, come on, Lord, I'm, I'm not equipped to do this. And the Lord said to him in Exodus, well, what's that in your hand? It was a staff. Right? Well, just look at what that staff can do when God is, is in it. Uh, so that's, look at what the small church can do. What's in your hand? What can the small church do when God is in it? Okay, anyway, I, we can go on a long time on any of these things. And here's, um, here's something. What do you think about this statement? All healthy things grow. True? Kind of. <laughs> in, you'd, have to, you'd have to ask, well, in what sense is that true? The problem is we have attached to that uh, if a church is healthy, that automatically means it will grow and keep growing and keep growing. Mm -hmm. Also, with the concept that it's young, it's still growing up. Okay, yes, if something is young, it's growing. Correct. There is a point where things reach maturity and produce fruit. Sometimes, you know, a, uh, we, there, you know, I live in Phoenix and we have a wide variety of palm trees. Some palm trees grow extremely large, are very, very tall. Other palm trees are very short and they both produce their own kind of fruit. So, mm -hmm. Converse is also true. We look at things, we look at churches that are growing and we automatically think they're healthy. Ah. Not all large, booming Thank churches. You. Not all large booming churches are healthy. Uh, I remember earlier I said it's the small church that's driving the growth of the global church. Some of many of the large churches that uh, I've heard about or even encountered in, um, as, we're, as we're more on the scene of the global church are, I would call them unhealthy because many of them are based on the prosperity gospel. And I don't think that makes for good church health. I think it's a, it's a sick church. Uh, because of the, the doctrine that's being, uh, okay, I, I could go on. Uh, sometime ask me about the relationship that I think there exists between animism and the prosperity gospel. So there's some seed thought. Maybe you want to challenge me on that anyway. But anyway, all healthy things grow. What is that? Letter, letter D. That's right. Yeah. Carl Vader's saying, uh, and I think I agree with him. It, it's a misconception to think that means we just keep increasing numerically forever. Is numerical increase a good thing? Absolutely. But how do things increase numerically? What about, and wouldn't it be glorious if we had, if, every, if all of our small churches became healthy and missional and started other healthy missional small churches? Wow. That's what's happening around the world. In fact, a lot of the churches, there's no way that they can become large because of, their, of, of where they're located. They just can't. I, I, saw, I see a hand. Hi, right right here. Here. Yes. I, it's just interesting because we see in uh, the New Testament that the church is referred to as a body. Hmm? 
and a body grows in health and in stature and in strength and everything mm -hmm. like that, we don't see it split. And then it might split off into another church. Mm -hmm. But we don't see it growing in, I don't grow in numbers. I'm mm -hmm. still me. Mm -hmm. I may have more cells than I did before or even less. Mm -hmm. We're not talking cell cellularly. We're talking about the church as an individual entity. And then we're talking about, mm -hmm. which is also true of the, the uh, universal church. It's an individual mm -hmm. entity in Christ, mm -hmm. but we grow healthy, we grow strong, mm -hmm. and we always think, grow numbers. I don't know why mm -hmm. we do that. Because now, I have never duplicated. Mm -hmm. The key, where I would much rather think about multiplication of healthy things than I would about uh, trying to find a mechanism to make an individual thing grow bigger. Now, does the kingdom of God, should it be growing and prospering? Should the word of God be progressing around the world? Absolutely. Should more people be coming to Christ and uh, coming into the kingdom? Absolutely. That's the kind of growth we're looking for. The, we see all kinds of descriptions in, this, in the New Testament well, about the, how the gospel prospers and it expands and God adds to the, the, num the number of the church. Point to me outside of maybe the first, well, especially as the gospel gets out into the Greek world, you know, the Roman world, point me to a place uh, where it says to the church in Thessalonica or in Ephesus or uh, pick another place. Where is a command for that church to get bigger? I don't find one. I have a comment. I mm -hmm. um, we're, we're compelled by Christ to be missional, to do the Great Commission. Absolutely. To go and win people for Christ. Absolutely. And so in, in doing that, more people come yes. and the church grows. Yes. Um, in, in the church that I'm in, a very small church, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> the, there are about 35 people. Most mm -hmm. of them are elderly. Mm -hmm. We have to bring new people in the church or mm -hmm. it will die. Mm -hmm. So so that, in my mind, is growing. Not, I, I'm never going to have a mega church in Eagle Rock. Right. But but I believe that it, that it is God's will for the church in Eagle Rock to be a lighthouse for the people around us. Amen. And to share the gospel. Exactly. That they will come. Small churches have a wonderful opportunity to be missional. Okay, lots of definitions. You that big buzzword. You know, we all know that. Uh, sometimes, sometimes it's used so much it doesn't mean anything anymore. And I, I know all that. I still like the word, you know, especially when we think about what, it, what what's at the core of that. I think the core of being missional means you have a community of disciples that understand and take on God's mission in their place. Does that describe what a small church can do? <laughs> well, yes. A community of disciples. We, we talked about you know, discipleship, one of the you know, great uh, opportunity, you know, one of the greatest strengths is relationships. A community of disciples. Sometimes we do miss that last piece. Okay, well, what's God's mission for us? This group of disciples right here. What mission has God given us? Right here, what piece of his mission has he invited us to come along with? Uh, okay, some other things here. Uh, I'm going to come back to that one. Um, uh, you can read that one. I've already said that one. Ah, L. All right, I like this one. And then we're going to move back into, uh, into groups to uh, uh, take on a little project here, at least the beginnings of a project. 
instead of insisting on numerical growth for every church, okay, got that? What if we did the hard work of helping churches discover what they're good at, then encouraging and resourcing them to do that ministry well? Not in the future when they get bigger, but right now at their current size. What if? What if uh, we are at our presbyteries, um, have some gatherings of small church leaders, because I think the solutions to um, uh, are, are right here in this room and in your presbyteries as you gather with other small church leaders. It's, uh, <clears throat> some, sometimes it's counterproductive for large church leaders to come and say, hey, small church leaders, I've got the solution for you. I've got the answers. Usually the answer has something to do with getting bigger. Now, again, please, I, I love small churches, large churches. They do large church things extremely well that small churches can't do. Praise God for them. Let's encourage them. But let's also realize we can learn a lot from each other. Uh, small church folks can talk to small church folks and have lots of things in common. And uh, the solutions can emerge right from our, our midst. So I'm encouraging networking uh, in your presbyteries, in your regions, even with other small churches in your community. It doesn't have to be just specifically within the EPC. Uh, if you want, I, I, uh, this is just a small taste. I've, um, I can, uh, I've, I've done, uh, I, I have a day and a half uh, workshop. I'd be happy to come in and, and do you know, with your, you know, with a group of small church leaders in your, in your area or in your presbytery, whatever. It's uh, because I so much believe that healthy, that we need the majority church in the EPC needs to be healthy and missional. Uh, and more people will be added to the kingdom of God. Who knows? You know, you may get bigger. If so, great, but that's not the solution to your problem. But if it happens, wonderful. Okay. So, uh, yes, yes, sir. Then we're going to do some uh, working groups for about uh, 10 minutes, and then we'll be able to be on your way. Yep. And I think that part of that is a lot of pastors coming out of seminary have such huge debt. And how do they get out of it when they go to a small church? Yep. They usually can't afford a full-time pastor with all the health benefits and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. How can they really afford having a, a Correct. So I think that some of the different models for having leadership, pastoral leadership, are important for the EPC to look at. Mm -hmm. And to also find ways of encouraging um, small churches to um, maybe go to some of the sem seminaries and talk about the value what a small church is. Mm -hmm. Because seminaries oftentimes have the idea that you're going to go to a successful church and you're going to mm -hmm. move right up the ladder. Yep. And oftentimes yep. small churches feel like all they are is part of the lab Yep. Yep. If you pick up small church essentials, you'll see one of the, one of the things that uh, Carl hits very very hard is that 
uh, very few pastors will ever pastor a large church. Yeah. Very few. So it, some will. Praise God for them. It takes a different set of. Uh, it takes a different skill set to pastor a large church than it does to pastor a small church. It's a different skill set. That's fine. Uh, and let's let's use those skills uh, to the magnum. You know, the, I know the EPC. I, I could go a long time on this one. The the EPC has been working on some ways to reduce the cost of uh, seminary of getting the training that we require but using different means by, uh, by which to get there so we don't have to incur that kind of debt. Uh, there are some, <clears throat> if, you go, if you look around the church globally, we definitely are the exception here in the US where the ministry has become a career for in most other places around the world, uh, ministry is considered a calling a first and a, and a career it really doesn't enter into it. It is a calling. And uh, many churches around the world think of paying a pastor all that they need is just it's just impossible. So, I for for a lo many a long time I've been saying, okay, well, how do we how do we measure health and vitality of a church? How do we um, uh, numbers tell us something? They tell us about the culture of a church. Uh, they, you know, they, they, they do tell us something, but they don't tell us really much, if, if anything, about the health of a church. How do we measure health in a way that goes beyond just you know, numbers and dollars and so on? So um, this word, this concept came up uh, Tuesday at the workshop, and I want to dig into it a little bit here in the time we have left. And it is the concept of engagement. Is this maybe a better way to measure the uh, vitality of our smaller congregations than just simply looking at uh, numbers and how have your numbers increased or decreased over the years? What if we look at the whole category of engagement? Kerry uh, uh, Newhoff, who's uh, not really not a small church person, but uh, he has said, and I, he may mean something different than I mean by it, but he said this: engagement is the new attendance. Uh, and uh, Carl Vaders takes that and uh, moves on a little bit with it. What engagement in what? Now, there are three categories. I'm going to have us take these three categories and think about them here for a little bit. Engagement with Jesus. Engagement with each other, meaning you know, the, with the community of the church. Engagement with each other. And engagement with people in our neighborhoods. Or uh, people who still need to be reached, okay? Engagement in three areas. I'd like to see if we can begin to um, uh, begin a discussion that I hope we can continue, perhaps through um, email, or perhaps we'll see what means we, we, can, we can develop here. But I'd like to uh, uh, have you wrestle with three questions, those three questions here. How do you measure these things? Uh, would, um, whoops, whoa, I went way back there. Sorry about that. How, what happened? I must have my hand on the button too much. Okay. Sorry about that. Here we go. All right. This group, I'm just going to arbitrarily say this group, would you deal with how would you practically measure your people's engagement with Jesus? Okay. 
this group, how would you practically measure your people's engagement with each other, with each other in your body? How would you practically measure engagement with the neighborhood or engagement with people who are not yet reached? Okay, same here. You, you guys take engagement with Jesus, engagement with each other, and the group up here, engagement with those who need to be reached. Okay, take 10 minutes. So I'd like to hear, hear what you come up with just in a beginning discussion on this. 10 minutes, then we'll share some of our results. And I hope we can have the beginning of a, uh, of a, of a perhaps a measuring tool, okay? So anyway, uh, 